0: a lot of days I, I feel like i come here with a with an assignment i guess you would say to teach um, today i feel like i have an assignment to really be prophetic and um and so i just i feel the lord wants to speak some things um, into us and ultimately into our state that um that we need to hear so let me just start i'm gonna read some of this and then we'll go to Isaiah, or ezekiel 37. how profound is it is that the motto of our state on almost all license plates is while I breathe, I hope. Okay? The, the state motto of South Carolina is while I breathe, I hope. 2020 has been the year of, or at least an attempt of, stolen breath. There's a common theme in everything that's been going on in 2020, and it's breath. So, my, I gotta really give this to my um, spiritual father, but um, oh yes, I just got your text, Jordan. Um, my spiritual father Lee McDermott. I don't know if he's watching this today, but me and him had a conversation Tuesday, and he just began to download just some amazing stuff over, over this, and so a lot of this came out of that, but he reminded me of that, that 2020 has been the, uh, the year of both clear vision, you would say, and an attack on breath, right? And the state motto of South Carolina, while I breathe, I hope. I don't see it as a coincidence that our state motto, so a motto, just for everybody uh, that doesn't know, is a statement a statement encapsulating the guiding beliefs of a group of people, okay? So that's what a motto is. So when you hear a motto, you hear that and you know really what you need to know about whatever group of people the motto is for, right? So at South Carolina, we've decided, somebody's decided in the past, that when people think of South Carolina, the thought that we want to come to their mind is, while we're breathing, we're hoping, amazing okay <clears throat> so i don't see it as a coincidence that our state motto is while i breathe i hope i see it as a prophetic witness of what yahweh is doing and has been doing in our city if while listen i'm just i'm just going to go real deep into some of this stuff if while i breathe i hope is true and i believe scripturally it is then breath is hope So life itself becomes hope itself, and death itself becomes hopelessness. While I breathe out hope. That means life, as long as you got life, you got hope. And the only moment in your life that you've lost hope is death. Okay? So if you have life, you have hope. Let me say it like this. If you have breath. You have hope. The message of eternal life is so powerful when seen within the guiding beliefs of our people because it means we have eternal hope. The message of eternal life is so powerful here because it really means we have eternal hope. The Messiah coming to God's death-anchored people brings with him the message of the kingdom of God, where unlike any current kingdom of darkness that they resided under, this kingdom would be governed by life and hope to the full. That's what the Messiah brought with him. Hang with me. I'm getting somewhere. So hope in the Hebrew is tikkah, tikkah, in the Old Testament. And in the Greek, it's elpis. Uh, both, carry the same meaning in the old Testament Hebrew and the new Testament Greek carry the same meaning. And here's what the meaning is biblically. It is to expect in particular to expect what is certain. So scripturally to hope is to expect what is certain. So to say you have hope is to say that you confidently expect to receive the fullness of what Yahweh has promised, because we know that if He spoke it, it is certain. Y'all with me? Okay. Now you tired? Last day of the or last Sunday of the month, but let's do it. On June third, the Lord told me our next season was going to be defined by one word: hope. Some of y'all remember this. So be clear. Be clear. To hope means you do not yet hold. To hope to hope for something means you do not yet hold it. So when, uh, when we were going to have a daughter, we hoped for our daughter. But when she was born, we transitioned from hoping for her to enjoying having her. Right? Hope is an expectation to receive what is certain. Hope deal, deals with the time before you receive. Many people confuse this. To say we're in a season of hope, which the Lord told me this next season was going to be defined by hope. To say we're in a season of hope is to say we're in a season of expectation to receive, not receiving itself yet. Let me say this one more time. To say we're in a season of hope, which I believe we are, is to say that we are in a season of expectation to receive, not receiving yet. I believe you could also define it as a preparation to receive because to hope means you have faith. And to have faith means you have trust. And to have trust means you have at your core love. Why? Because at the core of every believer, you find God, of whom we know is love itself. 1 John 4 8. God is love. So at the core of every believer is God, which means at the core of every believer is love. Y'all with me? What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? These remain, when everything else is gone, these remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. So how does this fit within the idea of while I breathe, I hope? Let me read this first. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul teaches that we all, we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror... The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So, I'm gonna say this statement that I've said a lot of times before. Some of you are just gonna have to think about this for a second. As believers, we are always satisfied, but never satisfied. As believers, We are always satisfied, but we are never satisfied. Here's what that means that means I am completely okay with where Yahweh has me today, but I refuse to stay here. Right? So a lot lot of people get bogged down in seasons that are good seasons because really we just want to hang out here, there's no risk. I'm not hanging out here. I'm, I'm going from glory to glory to glory until I both bear the complete perfect image of Yahweh and ultimately make it into heaven or new creation, whichever comes first, right? So we as believers are always satisfied, but never satisfied. In other words, I honor where I am and what I'm holding today, but I'm simultaneously filled with expectation to receive what he has spoken. The capital city, where the Lord has us planted, is the city of Columbia. If you didn't know that, welcome to Columbia. Let me just give you a little history. Thanks to my again my spiritual father, Lou McDermott. In 1786, John Lewis Gervais of the town of Ninety Six introduced a bill to create a new state capital before it was Charleston. So in 1786. John Lewis Gervais, which Gervais Street is, of course, named after, from 96, introduced a bill to create a new state capital. There was was considerable argument over the name of the city, and there were suggestions it should be named Washington. So there was a lot of push to make the city of Columbia the city of Washington in 1786. But Senator Gervais, just listen to this. Senator Gervais said he hoped that, and this is the direct quote, in this town, we should find refuge under the wings of Columbia. Columbia is the Latin for a dove. Okay? So in this town, we should find refuge under the wings of a dove columbia won by 11 to 7 vote so the city of a dove is the capital of the state marked by while i breathe i hope y'all just y'all follow me for a minute the dove throughout all of scripture is a picture symbolizing the holy spirit jesus is baptized he rises again and the holy spirit falls like a dove and remains okay so the dove throughout scripture is a picture of the holy spirit in the old testament hebrew as we're about to see in ezekiel 37 the spirit of god is the ruah of god that's the hebrew word okay so dove picture of the holy spirit Holy Spirit is the Ruah of God. Ruah has three meanings that all work simultaneously in the meaning throughout Scripture. The Hebrew language is an unbelie. It's my favorite. It's it's such a cool language. There's so much intricacy in everything. Everything has a purpose. Everything has meanings that tie to other words that have meanings, and so this word means three things. You ready for this? So when we say Holy Spirit, this is what we're saying. That word Spirit is ruah and it means wind it means spirit and it means breath so when the lord breathes into the nostrils of adam he's, he was receiving the ruah of god so the dove represents the breath of god so the city the city columbia of a dove let's just say it like this the city of the breath of god is is the governing authority over the state while i breathe i hope are are y'all with me i know this is a lot at this point we aren't simply talking about oxygen we're talking about the breath that blew into the, astral, the nostrils of Adam in the beginning. If Holy Spirit could become the exclusive breath we live by, hope would be the anchor that we're rooted in. Okay? So, so here, here's the, the, the chrono, chronological order of how things are about to play out, okay? It's breath, then life, and then hope. Breath, life, and hope. So, Ezekiel, just to give you a quick backstory, is the third major prophet book. Third book of the major prophets. He wrote these prophecies during Babylonian exile of the Judeans in and around or in around the 6th century B.C. That's when this was written. When the Lord called him, he gives him the command to deliver exactly what he says, even if the listeners don't receive it. So I love Ezekiel because he is a picture of, the, of being obedient despite what others think or say. So, Ezekiel 37. If you've never read the book of Ezekiel, I would, I would definitely encourage you to do that. It's an amazing book. Um, Ezekiel 37, like I said, I'm going to read this in the NLT today. Start at verse 1. Follow along with me. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. Okay, do do y'all hear that? Dry bones, which by the way, are dead. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Let me stop right here. Let me stop right here. The Lord carries Ezekiel in the spirit or in a vision, let's say, to a valley. In this valley, there are two types of beings when Ezekiel arrives. There is the breathless bones and the fully alive prophet Ezekiel. Okay? When Ezekiel arrives in the valley, there's two people. There's two types of people to say. The breathless bones and the fully alive Ezekiel. If the Lord leads you into a valley... It's not so you can end up like everybody else who died in the valley. It's so that you can become the agent of restoration for those who never made it through the valley. He wasn't there to die. He was there to bring dead stuff to life. We have to make sure that we don't define good for God. Let me just sit here for a second. Most people question God's goodness because he's not living up to their standard of goodness. He loves you way too much to just be what you consider good. Instead, he's got something so much better than what we have preconceived that we'll sometimes miss it entirely. If you asked Ezekiel what a good vision would have been, he may have said something like, Babylon, Babylon destroyed or all the wicked perishing. Instead, he is sent to a valley of the bones of his own people which through disobedience became bones but through his obedience would become the seed for Israel's freedom and hope. Uh, let, me just, let me just sit here for a second. I, I mentioned this um, when we first started Esther. I guess it was about a month ago. And a lot of times we like to go to the Lord and we'll think of two options or three options or four, however many options you want to give him. But we have thoughtfully planned them out. We know how the outcome is going to be. And then we'll go to the Lord and say, I've got this option, this option, this option, and this option. Which one do you want to do? Anybody remember that? Yep. And then, the, and then we'll, we'll say, man, I'm, I'm really going through a silent season. Yeah, because he ain't going to give you any of those things you brought him right? I mean, a lot of people, you'll find a lot of people that say they're in silent seasons in between transition. Okay, so we'll preconceive in our minds what we think good should be. All of us do it. I do it. And so when the Lord doesn't do what we think he needs to be doing or when he's not operating like we think he needs to be operating or when he's not giving us the inheritance we think we're ready for right now, in those moments, we'll start questioning if he's good. Let me say it like this. If we held God to his own standard, we'd never question his goodness. We start questioning his goodness when he doesn't look like what we think is good. Praise God, he loves us enough to say, I know what's good. At best, you know what's average. Are y'all, are y'all, are y'all with me? This is, I mean, this is why a lot of people don't believe in God. Period. Because he doesn't look like what they think God should look like. There must not be a God. And I would say that actually proves to me that he is who he says he is. Thank God he doesn't look like what I wanted him to look like when I was lost. And thank the Lord he doesn't look like he looks... I think he should look like right now when I'm born again. Because I'm being transformed into his image rather than how we think things should be. Him being transformed into ours. We've traded we've traded being transformed into the image of god for thinking god should be transformed into the image of us and all of this not to get too historical comes from the 18th century enlightenment period when we shoved god into outer space and separated church and state through thomas jefferson and came out with bible translations that had none of the supernatural in it and said we can run the world like we think we need to run the world cuz we're america and we know exactly what we're doing nobody's going to tell us what to do but we'll call on God when we need him. I mean, so we need to, we need to learn history. Do y'all know this happened? Do you know where the phrase separation of church and state came from? There should not be a separation of church and state. The church should be the influential body in the government. That's what the ecclesia is. It's the legislative assembly. So what we did is we said, you know what? We can do this a lot better than he can. So let's separate church and state. We'll do our thing. We'll go to church on Sundays, and we'll never have to intertwine the two. And do you know what it has produced? Democrats, Republicans bickering back and forth, and nobody unified. So, so we're not sitting around talking about what in the world are we going to do now that, that, now that angels have started flying through all the cities in America uh, you know what I mean? We're sitting around talking about how much we've got to destroy the other person. Let me say it like this: a lot, man, a lot of people don't believe in God because the church has offered an image of what we tell people God looks like that hits them and they say, I don't think that's what it is. So, so I'll say it. I don't think people have turned away from God. I think people have turned away from the church. I th- let me, man. I think the church has been one of the greatest weapons the enemy has had over the past eighty years. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, you know why? Because the enemy's not gonna. The enemy's not gonna show up and say, "Hey, why don't we make this thing evil?" Here's what the enemy's gonna do. He's gonna show up and say, "Why don't we make this thing about us?" Pastor, man, pastor, you can't preach that. People are going to leave your church. Uh, right? You can't do that. Repentance? Conviction? No, 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 no. We need repeated prayers. That way we never have to talk to people. I mean, let's just be real. We need repeated prayers because we'll never have to talk to people. We never know their names. We don't know who they are. We just saw their hand pop up in a service and praise the Lord, they're going to heaven. And I'm saying, while they're going to heaven, the earth is going to somewhere else that it was never designed to go because the image bearers are not looking like Yahweh. We're looking like the world is slapping a Yahweh tag on it. I mean, that's really what we're doing, right? Right? People, people hate when I start talking about this stuff because they think I'm throwing, I'm not throwing anything. I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking truth. That Ezekiel could not walk into a valley of bones and say, oh, y'all repeat a prayer after me. Right? I mean, listen, listen, right? He had to have some authority in a secret place that he could walk in and say, bones, you don't even have ears, but hear what the word of the Lord says. And a frequency begins to move some things in a valley that only death was in to bring such a life that those bones are about to rise back up with the breath of God and receive the inheritance they were always designed for. What we need in America today is not people to just walk around and say, man, these bones look bad. We need some people who are so anointed that we can start talking to bones. Because we got a bunch of churches that are filled with valleys of dry bones. And we've got a bunch of people in the world that are nothing but dry bones. And that's why I say if we could get one Ezekiel in a group of people or in a city or even in a state that could begin speaking no matter what the response is, dry bones would start to come back to life. The the word of the Lord came to him. You can read this. Ezekiel 2, the Lord tells him, you better speak what I tell you. They're going to reject it. I'm telling you right now, they're going to reject it. But that's not your problem. You speak what I tell you to speak. In fact, if you read through the earlier part of Ezekiel, he says, if you tell them what I tell you and they deny it, the blood's on their hands. But if you don't speak it to them and they die, the blood's on your hands. That's what he tells Ezekiel. Right? So we've got a lot of blood on our hands because we know the truth, but we refuse to speak it because we know how people are going to respond to it. It's not about how people respond. It's about you speaking to the bones that have died within them. It's about breath. Who man. He's in a valley filled with bones. In the context of the story, and simply scientifically, they have become dried out bones because they lost their breath they've become dried out bones because they've lost their breath when they lost their breath then according to verse 11 we're about to read they lost their hope this is what the Lord says I I quoted this last week but let me just read it Jeremiah 10 29 10 and 11 says this okay the Lord says you Israel will be in or excuse me excuse me, Judah, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the things, the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's what he speaks through Jeremiah. So, so remember, remember, hope, hope, is an expectation or anticipation of receiving something sure or certain. The other definition is a feeling of trust. So, I'm about to read the rest of this, but I just want to give get a little context. Time has caused them to doubt the certainty of their hope and future, and therefore lost their expectation of receiving and ultimately lost their trust. Tom, he tells them, you're going to be in exile for 70 years, but then I'm going to bring you home. And they get a few years in, and because of Tom, they start questioning how true his word is They start questioning whether or not he's even faithful. They start losing their expectation because they really don't know if it's sure or not. When they do that, they lose their hope. And by the time they lose their hope, they've lost their trust too. And they've become a valley of bones. Let me me say this too. What was exile? Exile, just the definition, is the state or period of forced absence From one's country or home. For Israel and Judah, both kingdoms, exile was a time for the Lord to remove them from their land because they turned away from Him to worship other gods. I believe the church today is in exile. The year of clear vision, 2020 has been a year of locked churches and silenced influencers. The Lord has stripped off the mask so we can see who we really are. What is clear vision? I said this a few weeks ago. A lot of people got real excited that 2020, 2020, 2020 vision, got real excited. And then he started showing us who we really are. And we said, man, I don't actually, I don't know if I want that. You know what I mean? Lord, give us clear vision. He he gave us clear vision. You know what I'm saying? The year of clear vision, three months in, all the churches are closed. Right? Listen to this. According to Barna, which is a a study group, over 33% of practicing Christians have stopped attending church during COVID-19, including online church. That's one-third. Okay? Over over corona, one-third of practicing Christians have stopped engaging the church at all. Only one-third is still and only attending their pre-coronavirus church. One half of millennial Christians have stopped viewing services online during the stream-only church period. They did another interesting study. Anxiety and insecurity have skyrocketed in those who have recently stopped attending church because of coronavirus. Let me just put this in perspective. Last year, I believe it was last year, um, I gave you a study that was recently done by Pew Research, and it found that Christianity was declining at such a rapid rate per decade that by the time I'm 55, I'm 29, by the time I'm age 55, if it keeps going in the same decline, Christianity will be totally extinct in America. That, that's how rapid the drop is. Now think about this, okay? That was before coronavirus. So it's already declining rapidly. You hit coronavirus, and now one-third of those who were still hanging on have now dropped off. This is So that's exile. The Lord has caused, not coronavirus, but he's caused churches to be closed and the people to be forcibly removed from their home, let's say, so that he can do two things. He can clean the place. That's what he tells Israel. I've got to remove you from the land because I can't clean it unless you're gone. Number one. And then number two, to cleanse them. Two things. So, so when I read this, when I saw this study, I didn't sit around saying, "Well, man, like this is getting bad." You know what I said? The real ones are rising up. Let me say, right now there is no show. All the shows have been closed. So right now, there's no show. So either you want him or you don't. The show is not an option right now. So that's why I say people in China are willing to go underground with the most poor-sounding worship and halfway-done message that anybody's ever heard and willing to give their life for it. Where in America, we have 875,000 translations of the English Bible that all disagree with each other. And 875,000 churches within five city blocks. And nobody wants to go to church and nobody wants to read their Bible because we're not doing this about him. We're really doing this for us. And when it stops becoming a feeding frenzy for the people and instead has to become something that glorifies him alone, people start dropping like flies because you're not, you're, you're not showing up to a building to get your coffee fix and to get your hangout and to get your you know, rock and roll music for the weekend. Now you're either in the secret place getting this with him or you're getting nothing. To be clear, the religion of Christianity has been and is in rapid decline in the past decade. The religion of Christianity. But as I've said before, I do not believe people are turning away from the godly Christianity. I believe they're turning away from religion, which I'm going to say is a good thing. They're not, they're not turning away from the Lord. They've never tasted and seen. Right? Right? So they're starving for a taste that they're not getting, so they're turning away to find the taste somewhere else. And I believe some people are gonna start rising up that when they encounter people in their works and in their schools and in their jobs and in their cafes and everything else they do, people are gonna start tasting. I mean, I've never tasted that before. The the comment I get more than anything else of people that watch this online, which far and above blows away the number of people that actually come in the service. But there's people that watch online Every single week, we get messages and calls and all that stuff. And the consistent theme is, I did not know something like that existed. And they're not talking about messages. And they're not talking about worship. But there's a, there's a frequency that flows through a podcast or flows through a camera or flows through a conversation. There's a frequency that when it hits them, it says, that's what I was made for. And that's what's beginning to happen in Colombia. There is a shift happening right now. Because in the spirit, the Lord is bringing some anointed ones who have been so conquered by the Lord that he's putting his authority and words in their mouth into the valley of religion and death to bring his people back to life or to wake them up. Let me finish the story real quick because I got, I got some stuff I came to say, all right? So I spoke, remember he said, speak this message, I'll bring you back to life, then you will know, that word know is yada, that's intimate knowledge, okay? You will know that I am the Lord. Verse seven, so I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath. They looked alive, but they weren't alive yet. It's what happens when we start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit not being for today. You're alive, but you're not alive. Let's not throw that in there. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message. Hear this. Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these bodies so they may live again. Come, O breath. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying... We have become old dry bones. Listen to this. All hope is gone, our nation is finished. That sound familiar? That's what I hear a lot of people saying today. All hope is gone, our nation's finished. Please come snatch us away. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O oh, my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Oh, man. Get you some of that. Yahweh is sending his breath again, but I believe he's going to do it in places like the South who are dead and dry and hopeless through hidden ones who have been seeing a whole new cosmos in the secret place. I, mean, I told you I came with a prophetic feeling today. Yahweh is sending his breath again but I believe he's gonna do it in places like the South who have become dead and dry and hopeless through hidden ones who have been seeing a whole new cosmos in the secret place. He's going to begin to give them some authority to call on the wind and breath to start to blow life back into the valley. Ironically, Columbia is located in a valley. Y'all ever wonder why it's so hot? Because we're literally in a valley. The heat flows down into us, into the city of the dove. What if instead of things flowing into us, we started sending things out of us? That's what we were designed for. There's, man, there's three rivers that flow into Columbia. There's three rivers that flow into Columbia. There's four rivers in the Garden of Eden. I was driving into town, some of y'all remember this one day, and the Lord told me to look up how many rivers flow into Columbia. I was hoping it was four. You know what I mean? And I look it up and it was three. And I was like, man, I must have misheard that one. And he says, no, 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 you're the fourth. um, There are some things stirring in the city where the papers were signed to secede from the union before anywhere else in America because we wanted to keep people in slavery, there's something that's happening in the same city that is now causing the seed of freedom to begin to flow. We are the root of slavery in America. Now, by the word of the Lord, we are the root of freedom. Why did he put this church in the city of the dove? Because I believe a breath is leaving here to breathe into the state that is anchored in while I breathe, I hope. I don't know if y'all have noticed this. I shared this a few weeks ago, but when the Lord spoke this hope word to me, we got a new uh, piece of art on Main Street. Have y'all seen it? That says hope. With the city of Columbia flag over it. Do you know what's on the city of Columbia flag? The rivers. And I I, I just feel that, man, I feel that. The way we hold what he spoke, the way we hold what he spoke is to hope in exile. Let me say this again. The way we ultimately hold what he spoke over us is to have hope when we don't yet hold it. Hope is the seed of holding. Yahweh is shutting the doors of the false gods called religion and fame so that he can begin to put the body back together so that he can send a wind to blow through the body of the Ecclesia church so hard that it causes the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters do cover the sea. If If we're the body, which we are, I believe what he's doing right now is taking all the bones of the body that has dried out and died and he's allowing some of the pieces that have been in a secret place that have been so full of the breath that they've been given the authority to begin to speak creation into order and he's going to bring the body back together in unity through the Holy Spirit beginning with those who have been conquered first in the secret place. I just, all I see and all I feel and all we talk to, I feel like, is people who in this season feel like we've lost hope. When is this going to end? Are things ever going to go back to normal for me? Is there going to be college football? Right? I can enjoy something. But, hopeless, 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 hopeless. And we forget, we forget that the motto of our people is, as long as I'm breathing, I have hope. Why, why is that? I, uh, I've i been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis lately, and uh, some of y'all are probably sick of me quoting him. But uh, I write songs, and I'm like very I'm very creative. And so I feel like I've kind of been going through like a dry, creative season. Anybody else ever feel that? Where you're just like, you're super creative for like a year, and then all of a sudden it's just like, you, you can't even write a song. It's just kind of... So I feel like I've been kind of in a dry season, like all the songs I needed to write have been written and all that stuff. And so I've been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis because he uh, is maybe one of the most creative persons, people to ever live. But let me just, let me read this to you real quick. Has anybody else ever read the screw Tape Letters by him? Yeah. So this is um, this is a a book he wrote, and it's from the perspective, don't judge me until you read it. It's from the perspective of a, a uh, leader demon, I guess you would say, that's leading another lower demon to try to convert this Christian into somebody who's lost, basically. So instead of being from the perspective of trying to save somebody from hell, it's from the perspective of hell trying to win somebody from God. And so um, anyway, and so the whole book is basically making fun of the devil, which I like. But, but he wrote this. And this is from that perspective. I want you to hear this just real quick. Again, this isn't a big Bible verse. This is just something creative. Listen to this. It's funny. So, this is two kind of like demons, I guess you would say, talking to each other. It's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. One more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. See, y'all need to be reading. Get off of Netflix. It's funny. It's, fu- it's funny. I don't even want to know how many hours of Netflix has been watched over the past few months. <laughs> um, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their mind. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. So I said this earlier when we were over there talking. Um. Uh, let's just say anxiety. Anxiety, the devil has no authority to give you anything. Jesus said, I took the keys to death and the grave. Those were the two things he had authority over. So he took that, right? So the devil has no authority to give you something. He can, however, he can, however, get you to the place where you give away something. So, so if you struggle with anxiety... Anxiety is not of the Lord. So if you're born again and you struggle with anxiety, right, that's not because the Lord gave you anxiety. It's not because the devil gave you anxiety. It's because you gave away some of your joy unspeakable and full of glory. And in the gap of where joy unspeakable and full of glory was comes anxiety. You know, with me? With me? Same with temptation, same with everything else. So you hear that, and that's why I said earlier in worship you hear that, and instead of us feeling like we got to fight to get back what was stolen from us, instead, we can start taking stuff that we just gave away. So if you're anxious today, it doesn't have to be a back and forth fight of trying to get out of anxiety. You could just say, you know what? I'm going to take my joy back. You know what I'm saying? And so, where we are today is a lot of people who feel like they lost hope, and it feels like we've lost this, and we feel like the economy could tank at any moment, and then you got all the injustice on top of that. And we, it's just this back and forth and back and forth, and believers are engaging in just hand to hand combat back and forth when we should be seated in a place where we begin to, in authority, speak life back into bones. You know why these bones? I can't prove this in scripture, but I believe these bones became bones because of two things, losing their breath. And I believe as they began to lose their breath, they started to fight each other for what little breath other people had. I can't prove it. This is my imagination, right? So that's what we see. We see people fighting back and forth. And then they'll see somebody else who has a little more breath than them, and they'll start fighting them to get that little bit of breath rather than all of us going to the source and receiving all the breath we need. So so what's happening today, I just believe, is we as a church have the opportunity to rise up and show Columbia first and the rest of the state. We have the opportunity to show them what unity looks like, what hope looks like, what joy looks like, what glory feels like, what glory to glory looks like, what love looks like. That's what we have the opportunity to do. But if we get distracted, we'll start looking off of that and coming into a place where we start going in hand-to-hand combat with things we should never be in hand-to-hand combat over david says i desire to build a temple for the lord and the lord says you cannot you have too much blood on your hands but i'll let your son do it whose name is peace so the lord desires a temple but we got to be real careful we don't have too much blood on our hands for him to be able to build a temple on us I, I know I'm using a lot of metaphors and stuff like that, but do y'all see what I'm saying? We've got to be the people that are people of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So we start operating outside of peace. We're no longer operating in his government. Let me read Isaiah 51. Daniel, come up here. If you don't mind. <sighs> Get up here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got to get a drink, drink a coffee. One day I had kombucha on stage in the theater, and I got roasted because people said I was, was drinking on stage. Um, that's where we are in the South, y'all. All right. We don't care what you preach. We're just worried about what you were drinking. Um trying to get some of that that new wine flowing in here. Just joking, just joking, just joking. I set set myself up for a lot of this stuff. Isaiah, listen, Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. Hear this in the context of, of, of today. Listen to me, you who chase after righteousness, you who passionately pursue the Lord, Look back to Abraham, the rock from which you were cut, to Sarah, the quarry from which you were dug, and remember what I did for them. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for when I called Abraham, he was but one person. When I called Abraham, he was but one person, but I blessed him greatly so that one became many. Indeed, Yahweh will comfort Zion, restore her, and comfort all her broken places. He will transform her wilderness into the garden of bliss, her desert into the garden of Yahweh, joy and laughter will fill the air and thanksgiving and joyous melodies. Listen to me, my people, pay attention to me, my nation. For I release my teaching to the nations and I will cause the light of justice to rest on them. My righteousness is coming closer. My salvation has gone out. My mighty arms will govern the people the islands will trust in me and put their hope in the unveiling of my might. Lift your eyes to the heavenly realm and look at the earth far below. Though the heavens disappear like smoke, though the earth wears out like a garment, though all the people die like gnats, my salvation will endure forever and my righteousness will never end. So listen to me. You who care for what is right, who treasure my teachings in your heart, do not fear the insult of others. Do not be troubled when they revel you, when they rival you, excuse me, revile. That's the word. (laughs) Do not be troubled when they revile you. They are nothing for you to fear for the moth will eat them up like a shirt. And the worm will consume them like wool, but my righteousness will last forever and my salvation from generation to generation. I'm almost done. Awake, God, awake. Arm of Yahweh, put on your robe of strength. Awake to do the works of power as in ancient days, as in generations past. Wasn't it you who smashed the sea monster to pieces, who pierced the dragon in generations long ago? Wasn't it you who dried up the Red Sea with its deep waters and made a path through the sea to rescue your redeemed? Do it again. Those Yahweh has set free will return to Zion and come celebrating with songs of joy. They will be crowned with never-ending joy. Gladness and joy will overwhelm them. Despair and depression will disappear." Verse 16, I have placed my words in your mouth and have hidden you in the hollow of my hand to establish the heavens and make the earth rock solid. Listen, I have placed my words in your mouth and have hidden you in the hollow of my hand. Why? to establish the heavens and make the earth rock solid you will say to zion you are my people wake up wake up get up jerusalem you have drunk enough from the cup yahweh handed you it was the cup of his anger and you've drained it dry The intoxicating bowl that makes men stagger. There are none of Zion's children left, none to guide her home and take her by the hand, none of all the children she has raised. So listen, verse 21, you who are weak and wounded. Who are intoxicated, not with wine, but with God's anger. This is what your sovereign ruler says, Lord Yahweh, your God, the mighty defender of his people says, Look, I have removed from your hand the intoxicating cup that made you stagger. You will no longer drink from the bowl of my anger. Instead, I will put that bowl in the hands of your tormentors who said to you, Lie down so we can walk all over you for your back became like the ground they trampled on like a street for them to walk on wake up Open your eyes, beautiful Zion. Put on your majestic strength. Jerusalem, the sacred city, put on your glory garments. Never again will the unclean enter your gates. Arise and shake off your dust. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Break off your shackles of bondage from your neck, you captive daughter of Zion. For this is what the Lord has to say. You were sold for nothing. Now you will be redeemed without any payment. For Yahweh says, Long ago my people went down to Egypt and lived as foreigners there. And for no good reason Assyria Assyria oppressed them. And now what have I here? says the Lord. Indeed, I'm almost done, last verse. My people have been taken into bondage without cause, while mocking rulers how, and every day my name is continually despised, says Yahweh. Therefore, my people will know the power of my name, and they will know in that day that I am the one who promised them, behold, I am here. You could see this season as a negative or you could see this season as Yahweh getting ready to make the stump of the cut down tree, the holy seed for Zion to rise up in the earth. That's what I believe. That's what I choose to believe, that when all the religion is removed, the only thing you're left with is what's real. When all the religion is removed, that's what you're left with. So we could fear, we could fear we could fear Corona, we could fear everything else, or we could be those that stand up with a hope in the midst of everybody else being afraid. You, you wonder what the gospel looks like when somebody comes up to you and says, man, it's been a rough one, hasn't it? And you look at them and say, I got hope. This is getting good. That's not what people around here, people are saying that we, we've reached the end. The church is, The church is pretty much braced for impact at this point. You know what I'm saying? We we stopped trying. We tried, we missed it, so come get us because we couldn't do it. We quit. I'm telling you today, I haven't quit. I've just got started. I'm 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 leveraging this season. I've been saying this on Tuesday nights. I don't know if I've said this on a Sunday because I know um how people get about stuff like this, but here we are. I I'm not okay with this just going away i expect a return for what's been lost so i'm I'm not okay with us just everybody get a vaccine everybody go back to normal and nobody has it anymore i'm not cool with that i want it to go away but i expect a payment for every life that was taken by this that shouldn't have been taken I expect a payment for every piece of the economy that was taken because it shouldn't have been taken. I expect a return on all this. I expect such a hope and glory to glory on the other side of this that it makes this look like nothing we, we got to start having hope. we got to stop being people that are enslaved to the earth and instead see ourselves as sons and daughters of the king. You better believe that Abba isn't looking at you saying, I'm just going to get you through this. It's going to be okay, baby. Don't worry about it. No, you know what Abba's doing? He's sitting there with a pen marking everything that you lost because he intends to repay it. So I say, lift your head. Anybody watching this that's hopeless, lift your head. If you're in a situation that looks hopeless, lift your head for salvation is drawing near. Lift your head. We have no place for despair in our lives. We have no place for anxiety and depression and worry and fear and what might happen. We know what's gonna happen. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. That's what's going to happen. And if it takes the church being closed so that all the real ones can rise up and say, I don't need a show, I just need him, then that's what it's going to take. But he intends to make every kingdom on planet earth the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. If it takes one man in a valley of dry bones that says bones, I got something to say. You better listen or one woman that's standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones or a family of dry bones or a job of dry bones that says bones you might not have ears but I'm about to release a frequency that's going to cause you to come back to life I mean we th- this is a lot more than just being happy this is this isn't a message on how to be happy this is a message on how to help Jesus bring new creation into the cosmos and i promise you you'll be happy too you know what i'm saying I, I, just, we we give this we give this persona that christianity is all about suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer and we're not talking about persecution we're talking about you're going to be anxious you're going to be worried it's going to be awful you're going to have to tithe instead of use that money for whatever you want to you're going to have to do all this stuff but it's all right brother cuz you're going to get a crown one day you know what i'm saying yeah, you're going to get a crown. I'm, I'm not, that's, let me tell y'all something. If that's what this is, well, then, then why do we even show up? For real, and that's why people aren't showing up anymore. That's not what this is. He didn't say, pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can't wait to get with you and get out of this old wretched place. That's not what he said, Right? Teach us how to pray, all right? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We stopped believing for that a long time ago. We stopped believing for on earth as it is in heaven about the time that we started teaching that it's better to escape than to remain. Who cares? Who cares about on earth as it is in heaven because we're getting to heaven? I'm going to get to heaven too. But I primarily intend to get to heaven by bringing it here. If you're new, welcome. Um, But, I mean, that's that's what you call orthodoxy. That's what you call theology. That's what you call scriptural theology. Jesus came with the message, the kingdom is at hand. What does at hand mean? It means the kingdom so close you can reach out and touch it. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is not five years away, but I came to get y'all out. The kingdom is here, so I'm going to transform you into the image of the one that can cause the kingdom to begin to explode across the globe. I want people in my city saved. And I want my city to look like heaven. I want my city to look so much like heaven that when people make it to heaven, they can't tell the difference from where they were and where they got to. And if we're believing for anything less, we have settled for far less than we were designed to settle for. Because he told us to pray as it is in heaven. Not a version of it, not close, not maybe, not a kind of like it, as it is in heaven. That means Jesus intended for us to pray for and bring into existence something that is so replicated that you cannot tell the difference. In other words... New heaven and new earth. Valley of dry bones. In the spirit, Ezekiel is led into a valley. He's looking around and he's walking around, stepping over bones. And the Lord says, Ezekiel, do you think that they can live again? I can, again, I can't prove this. But the Lord revealed to him that it was Israel. So I would dare to say that in this vision, he knew he was walking around the bones of people in Israel. And he's walking around. And he see, these are my people. He knows why they got into exile, because they turned away from the Lord. So when the Lord says, can these bones live again? He's got to be thinking, one, I don't know. Only you know. Two, I don't know if they should. I mean, they're dry bones because of their own decision. God didn't want them to be dry bones. They're dry bones because they turned away from the breath that gave them life. Can these bones live? I don't know, only you know. And then he tells Ezekiel to speak to him. Wouldn't it be a lot easier for Yahweh to say, Ezekiel, check this out. Bones live he doesn't do that he says son of man so, does that sound familiar son of man Jesus if you didn't guess that son of man speak to these bones and he speaks and a body is formed out of all the bones bodies everywhere but they're still dead And the Lord then turns around and says, now I want you to speak to the wind. And as Ezekiel begins to speak to the four winds, the breath of God begins to blow through this valley. And the valley that just a moment before was death and dry and dry bones and hopelessness becomes a valley of an army of people fully alive. And it started It started not with great church services, not with a big conference, and not with a stadium gathering. It started with a man who was so conquered that he had the authority to say, wins. I command you to breathe life into these bones. Let me mess with you a little bit. That's before Jesus. That's before Jesus came. If Ezekiel, on the back end, before Jesus came, can have an authority to speak to dry bones, I wonder what would happen to a group of people who have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, filled with the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, could do conquered. I mean, don't don't read these Old Testament stories and be like, man, I want to do that. No, you need to read those Old Testament stories and say, I need to be shooting for way more than that. Because I'm on the other end of the blood. At best, Ezekiel had an escape goat in the Old Testament system. We, at our worst, have the blood of Jesus. When the Lord was giving me some of this stuff, I'm done. But when the, when the Lord was giving me this on Thursday, I couldn't help but think of how this virus and the, the injustice that's been going on that stuff has all been an attack on, on breath. And I couldn't help but think, what does it look like for the Lord to begin to breathe into us? And I'm gonna end with this. If you go to the book of Genesis God raises Adam from the dirt and he breathe I've taught this before but I just want to remind he breathes breathes into Adam and he comes to life right In the Hebrew we think we think that the Lord raised up Adam stood back Adam's where Daniel is and went and there was this giant wind and all that stuff. And Adam comes to, like, to life like, you know, the Avengers and, you know, all this other crazy stuff. Captain America, whatever you want to say. Right? That's what we think. That's what we think. We think he's way over there, you know, distance. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the language that's used is the same language that is used when Moses meets with God on the mountain. Now here's what we, we in our English Bibles, we say Moses met with God face to face. That is a horrible translation, not even close. The actual Hebrew translation is, Moses met with God mouth to mouth or lip to lip. That's that's the the only the only definition for the Hebrew word that's used when Moses meets with God. The only definition is mouth, not face. So that is an English uncomfortable with the idea of us being mouth to mouth with God. So we'll throw this in there. That's really what that is. But when Adam is breathed into and the life is breathed into Adam, it's the same Hebrew language as is used when Moses meets with God mouth to mouth. So when God breathed life into Adam, it was not a distance, socially distance below. He got mouth to mouth with that man and breathed. For some of y'all, that is highly uncomfortable. But when you talk about intimacy, the Lord intends to not raid. I just personally, we get this idea when we start saying Holy Spirit blow through and all this stuff, that it's some big, crazy act where the room is so blown over that walls fall and all that stuff. And that might happen. But you know what I believe the Lord really wants to do? I believe he wants to get so close to you and I and his people that he gets lip to lip and the lip to lip exchange becomes the breath that brings people back to life. We have done the distance thing. We've done the big thing and it has lasted a week, two weeks at best. All of us have done that. You go to a conference, you're fired up, you're excited. This is awesome. And two weeks later, you're back in the same mess you were two weeks before that, right? So that that didn't work. So what Yahweh actually wants to do is get lip to lip and start kissing you day in and day out. Just get uncomfortable for a second. The first thing it says in Song of Songs, let him smother me with kisses. That's the first thing we hear from the Shulamite in Song of Songs. Let him smother me with kisses. His spirit kissed divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Some of you need that today. Some of you need that kiss, but then some of you and do not go out and kiss people, okay? <laughs> it's pretty bad I have to say that, but be on the news. Um, but you, you know what I'm saying? But, but be in such a place in intimacy with the Lord that people start seeing the exchange that you have between he and yourself, and you start becoming the agent that causes other people to look at you and say, I want what they got. We need some PDA in the church. And I'm not talking about you and your girlfriend or boyfriend or your whatever. Okay? I'm talking about we need some interaction with Yahweh like Moses on the mountain when he is mouth to mouth and could care less in that moment what's going on everywhere else. Aaron's down there building a gold calf like a crazy man. But I'm going to stay on the mountain and get some more kisses. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's some weird language. There's your Hebrew lesson for today. This is what you believe in. Um, I'm just playing, but I, I just, I feel this. I feel this all over me that we have been given an opportunity right now. We've been given an opportunity to start to speak to some dry bones around us. I'm gonna warn you, and then we're gonna pray. I'm gonna warn you. I believe that word the Lord spoke to me this morning, and this is just for our family. So If you're watching, you know, you can hang in here too. But for the people in this room, I feel like something the Lord spoke to me this morning is that the fox thing, that there are some foxes that we have allowed to sneak into our garden and take stuff that the Lord has planted. I said this earlier. The only way foxes can sneak in and take stuff the Lord has planted is if you're not watching your vineyard, if you're distracted. The only way, the only way that these little foxes or these little nuggets of ideas or these little thoughts or these little ideas of who you are that he doesn't say you are, etc. The only way all these things start getting plucked out of your garden is if you start getting distracted and turn away from the one thing. So I'm gonna encourage you. What the enemy wants more than anything else in this season is to distract the body from what Yahweh is doing. More than anything else, he wants you distracted. Cuz again, he can't give you anything, but he can try to make you distracted. So if that's you today, if you feel like you have been in a season where your quiet time hasn't been great or you've been struggling to stay consistent with the Lord or you've been hopeless or you have felt down and just just dry and all that stuff, don't get distracted. Don't start turning to the right or to the left. That is the moment to dig deep, dig your roots in, and start letting him begin to breathe again. You know what Psalm 1 says? Psalm 1 says that we are trees planted by streams that bear fruit in every season. There's not one season where our leaves are shriveled up. So if you're going through a dry season, I want to encourage you, not bring you down in this, but I want to encourage you, that if you're in a dry season, believers are not called. This is just my opinion. You can believe differently. We can still roll together. I don't know if believers are ever called to be in dry seasons. But if you're in that, if you're in that, then that's hope. Because that means the Lord is just sitting there ready to pour out what he wants to pour out. He wants wants to pour new wine into our wine skins. The only thing keeping the new wine from being poured into our wine skins is the wine skin being dried out. So let him begin to baptize you in the anointing that gives you your pliability back so he can actually pour out the new wine into what you can contain. So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray. I could keep going. I'm gonna pray. And as I pray, I just want all of us to begin to ask the Lord, what are the points in our lives that he's allowed us to get distracted? Or that, not that he's allowed us, that we've allowed ourselves to get distracted? And where are the places in our lives that we need to start to breathe into? could be people it could be ourselves so Yahweh I pray right now that you would just begin to show us the places that we've allowed ourselves to get distracted whether it be something going on in the world something going on in our relationships something going on with our family something going on in our personal lives or at our jobs whatever the case may be it's allowed us to get distracted from the main thing that really at the end of the day only is the only thing that matters which is tending the flame of consistent devotion until you become not just our one thing, but the only thing that everything flows out of. Show us the places we've been distracted and simultaneously begin to breathe into the places that have become dry. Plant us by streams of water where we bear fruit in every season, and where the leaves of our trees never wither, but as Revelation says, become the leaves of the healing for the nations. I want to pray specifically while we're praying for my mother in law. She had a uh, she's got a um, a scan coming up this week, and um and so Lord, I, I just pray right now. Uh, I rebuke cancer in Jesus' name. No cancer. No cancer. This is going to be nothing. In fact, I pray that as they go to to check out these these lumps, I pray that they'll go to check them out and not even know what they're talking about. I pray they'll be gone, in Jesus name. Lord, I pray. I pray for. Um, I just I feel this in my spirit just while we're praying. Camille, I don't know if you're watching this. She's a part of our family. Um, I just pray over you. I pray healing into you in Jesus name. There's been a struggle back and forth of struggling with symptoms and struggling with things going on in your life. And I pray right now that the Lord would begin to pay back what the enemy has tried to take from you. I pray that all the symptoms would be gone. I pray that you would begin to live in such a health that you could get back to the things you love. And God, I, I pray specifically over our family and this church and everybody watching this, but, but really for our family here. I pray that you would, allow the Holy Spirit to be so relevant to our lives, so prevalent in everything that we do, that it would cause a unity to come out of this room that becomes the seed for the kingdom of God to advance in Columbia. I thank you for this family. I thank you for what you're doing in us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen. Amen.